stay there. You know what? I believe that every single person on this planet can make a difference. And I believe that we all have something to offer, something that's so unique that it will change somebody else's life. I believe we all deserve to step into our true selves. And I believe that every single person needs to feel great about themselves. I want you to step into who you truly are and I want you to make a difference for somebody else and for yourself. And I don't think it's that hard. It's a matter of putting one step in front of the other and just taking action. And I'm interviewing guests that have done just that. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where you can make that decision to make your life count. It all starts with you saying yes. Howdy, and welcome back to another week of the Get Off the Bench podcast. How much energy do you have? Ah, oh, look, this is such a great question. I reckon since COVID, we've all become tired and lost our energy. I don't know what's going on, but I tell you, me for one, I want more energy. I absolutely want it more. I used to have more. It seems to have disappeared, and now I want to find it back. And that's a perfect segue into today's guest, Simon Alexander Ong, and he is the author of the book Energize. He is also a personal development entrepreneur, a coach, and public speaker. And the theme he's banging on about is energy, and I am absolutely absolutely hanging to get into this conversation to see how I can start buzzing again. But on a serious note, if we have not got energy, we cannot do the things that we want to do every day. And I think it's our right to live life to the fullest and have as much energy as possible to give to everything we're doing in life. So this is going to be a fantastic episode. Let's get into it. Welcome, Simon. Karen, thank you so much for having me on today. Oh, it's my pleasure. You, um, I don't know whether I should say I can't keep up with your energy, or I can, or but you, every every time I turn on LinkedIn, there you are, and you're just buzzing with energy. It's just fantastic. So thanks for having enough um left in your tank for me tonight. My pleasure, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Um, me too. Well, I'm going to focus on energy, but anyway, you are a uh, personal development entrepreneur, coach, public speaker author of the great book, Energize. Now, your whole theme is energy. I mean, of course, you talk about other stuff because you're a coach and you do a whole lot of other things, but your big thing is energy. So why energy? Where does where does this come from? Sure. So I, I think there's been a number of different factors that have influenced my focus on energy. But I think where it starts is in the second chapter, uh, and, and sorry, the first part of my book, uh, in literally the first chapter where I talk about the importance of our health. Because when I started my career, it was in the financial services industry. Uh, yep. Probably the, the worst possible time, Karen, this was in 2007 that I started, the year before the financial crisis. Yep. And so as I went through the first couple of years of what was a very volatile time, I realized that, first of all, I was doing something that was not fulfilling for me. You know, I had embarked on a path that I felt was going to be successful yeah. because uh, I was influenced by my family, by society, by what people said, do what pays you the most. Yeah. And then the crisis happened, which got me questioning the choices I was making. Mm -hmm. And there was one moment where I ended up coming home way after the last train had finished. So I was at home probably around two, three in the morning. 
Yeah. And I had, you know, I had my girlfriend at the time who was worried sick about where I was. I wasn't replying to messages. I wasn't answering the phone. And at that moment, I realized that I was directionless. I was lost in life because what I thought was going to be successful was now a very different path to the one that I had imagined. Yeah. And what I realized is that even though deep down I knew the actions that I had to take, I knew what had to happen to bring me back towards some semblance of direction. Yep. What I lacked was energy. Yep. And so I, for me, that was the first place it had to begin to make my health a priority, to stop making it a side hustle. Yep. And as I did so, I saw the domino effect in action. You know, as I prioritized my health, as I got more rest, as I ate better, what happened is I started to make better choices and the way that I showed up each day was vastly different. So I think from a personal perspective, Karen, that was one of the major beginnings of why I wanted to explore energy. Yeah. And then as I embarked on this path uh, of being a coach and a uh, and an international keynote speaker, I often had people coming up to me when I got down from stage and they, they said to me, Simon, I really enjoyed what you had to say. But more importantly, I love the energy you had on stage. And you know what? If I could have just a small percentage of the energy you have, I could go on and accomplish so much more. Yeah. And so I really wanted to speak to that as well in the book that I wrote. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, I, As a speaker myself, I find more energy when I'm in my sandpit. So if I'm on stage or if I'm facilitating or something I've got so much energy and then I can get in the car and completely crash you know it's kind of like is this the same person so I think there's a there's, there's a whole lot about yes your health and I'm absolutely 100% with you on that one but I also think you've got to be doing stuff you love do you, you know because mm. even if you're healthy and you're not enjoying life you're not not enjoying what you're doing you, that that's got to drain the hell out of you yeah it is it is a crushing feeling and i think yeah. anybody who is not doing something that is aligned to their values and what they really want to be doing in life mm. is going to go for a period where you have this tension inside of you uh, and that tension is really your body telling you you're not doing what you're meant to do mm. and so just to put things into context when i talk about energy i see it in four dimensions Yep. So we've got the physical, we've got the mental, the emotional and the spiritual. Yep. So our health really speaks to the physical dimension of energy. And as you said, if you have great health, but you're not addressing the other three dimensions of energy, you're still going to feel drained and exhausted. Yeah. So what we're touching on here when we talk about, are you doing something that fills your cup? Are you doing something that brings you joy? We're speaking to spiritual energy. Yeah. Now, when you're low on spiritual energy, you're going against who you are. You are keeping your natural born gifts and talents dormant. Yeah. But when you're high on spiritual energy, you're in flow. You're actually doing things that bring you joy. You're doing things that allow you to express who you really are. I, I love that. You know, you, you talk about joy and joy, kindness, happiness, you know, these kind of words that they've been thrown around as soft words do you know and i i say they're bloody hard words they're essential words you know but so many people say oh yeah but we've got to get the job done then forget the joy and the happiness and the fluff you know we've got to get the job done but i see so many people who don't have joy do you, you know and, and they're they've got a story but i've got to work i've got to pay the bills you know i do like my job it's okay do you know this sort of stuff and 
there's something about them that looks lifeless. Do you, you know, and and yeah, they might have energy to get up to parties and they might have energy to do the dishes and do the <laughs> stuff that they've got to do. But it's a different energy. It's a you know, I'm sure you understand this and talk about this stuff. It's about, you know, with your frequency. Do you know, like when mm. you're happy, you're vibrating yeah. at a much higher frequency. Things just happen easier. It's a, there's a much more of a flow and things, you know, when you're at a low energy, you're sort of like, blah, blah. it's like trying to start a car that just doesn't want to start like mine last week. Anyway, um, <laughs> just, it's a different, yeah. I think, I think we underestimate energy. And I think that, you know, we talk about we're, we're all bodies of energy, you know, and, and that we've, we're sort of um, come together in a, in a physical body, but it's it's energy and we're all connected. And I think that sometimes people can say that's too woo-woo. I, I don't believe that. I think the energy is the, it's the life chi, you know, it's the, it's everything. Yeah, I, I'm, in, I'm in total agreement with you, Karen. I think that many people underestimate the importance of energy. Yeah. And, you know, just to lean into the spiritual side a bit, we are all energetic beings living a human experience. Yeah. And so when we talk about work, the reason why joy and happiness is so important is that the energy you put into your work is felt by the people who receive your work. Yeah. And so if you underestimate that, then guess what? You are closing the door to opportunity. I'll yeah. give you an example. I just came back from a, a one week holiday to Greece with my family. Yeah. And most people who are serving you are doing it just for just for the bills, just yeah. for the, the salary that they get. But we dined in one restaurant where a waiter took particular care of our family. He was interested in what we did. He was interested in our daughter and he listened to our holiday experience so far and became someone of service. Yeah. The energy he put into his job as a waiter, we felt that. Yeah. And so as a result, we mentioned his name to the staff, to the management, and we weren't the only ones. You know, I remember having a chat with the manager, and so I just wanted to give special phrase to one of your, your waiters in this restaurant because of the experience uh, we have had as a family. Yeah. And he said to me, you're the only ones. He's already had seven um, people so far sing his phrases. And guess what? I guarantee you, Karen, I don't know the next steps, but I guarantee you he's likely to get the opportunity yeah. to try new things or to get promoted. Yeah. And so the energy we put into our work definitely gets felt by yeah. the people that receive it, whether we are aware of it or not. Oh, I agree. And further to that, I'm just thinking, you know, you, you say that if you do that, people feel it and then you get opportunities. But further to that, if 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 I'm loving my job and I'm doing it really well and the people feel it, that's great. But if I'm holding back, you know, and I'm not enjoying it, the people mm. I'm serving, they miss out. And that's selfish. I kind of see that as selfish. You know, you, you're <laughs> actually taking away people's like like people want to be there and you're saying, nah, you know, I'll give you half of that. You know, that that's kind of, I don't know, you know, that that's I, I don't think you're serving the people that you're there to serve if you if you're not giving your full energy and full attention to them and full love. You know, I talk a lot about that. Just love, love the hell out of everybody you're serving. Mm. Just love them, you know, and it's it, it also it also shows us, Karen, just how infectious energy is. Yeah. If you are around energy that is negative, in no time, you can't help but feel negative. Yeah. When you are around energy that is positive and uplifting, yeah. in no time, you are going to have those same feelings. Yeah. 
And that's why it's so important to curate the environment that we spend the most time in to make sure that the energy is the energy we want to be around. Otherwise, we're going to be very quickly drained and thinking, I can't do stuff. I can't achieve my goals because, well, how else can you given the energy you've been spending time with? Yeah, yeah, true. Hey, when you said about um, your health, what? and you said you noticed, you started noticing things, Mm -hmm. you you mentioned sleep, but but then – and let's just stay sleep because a lot of people underestimate sleep too. You know, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, i got a few hours, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and I know people that work night shift. I used to work night shift and I was knackered. You know, I just <laughs> couldn't. It didn't matter if I got all the sleep. I just wasn't, it wasn't right. You know, it wasn't my body clock yeah. was out. Even just focusing on sleep, how much difference did that make to you? Like, what did you start <laughs> noticing? I mean, the first two things that I did uh, just to... I guess, illustrate the journey is in the second job after Lehman Brothers collapsed, I went into uh, this this company, which was a, it's a hedge fund, and it was a very toxic environment. Yeah. And what it meant is that I would be the first in the office and often the last to leave. Yeah. I got little sleep. I didn't have time to exercise and I ate junk. Yeah. So when I quit that company and I decided with intention to move into another company where the hours were more were more kinder and humane. It was a nine to five job. I could use time after work to exercise, to explore my hobbies, to get more rest. When I started to sleep more and integrated exercise as a daily non-negotiable, I realized I was showing up each day with more energy, but also the mindset that I had to respond to whatever the day threw my way was vastly different. Mm. And if I look back now, Karen, I think that, Whatever tip, trick, or hack that you read about or listen to, it is impossible to put that into effective action unless you have the energy to do so. Yeah. When you have just survived on two hours of sleep, yeah. it's like starting a race 100 meters behind the rest of your sprinters. Yeah. You know, you're going to be playing catch up all day. Yeah. Uh, Jim Rohn famously said, either the day, uh, either you run the day or the day runs you. Yeah. Now, if you're surviving on little sleep, the day is going to be running you. Yeah. Whereas if you had a full night's sleep and you wake up energized, guess what? You are going to live the day with far greater intention than yeah. if you had little to no sleep. Yeah. And sleep, you're right. You're right also about the sleep, the exercise and eating. Like those three are so um attached to each other do you know if you you don't sleep then you don't want to exercise and then when you and then you don't you, you're too lazy to eat well do you know it's kind of like just want just grab that and we think we're doing everything well but we're actually compounding the issue you know by just yeah. stacking on layers of well it's probably abuse and neglect you know to ourselves <laughs> it really is it's kind of like oh you're, you're not worth it I'll, I'll stack some shit <laughs> in your body but it's it's um you've only got to shift one of them don't you you know just tweak one and then start start and, moving. and that's the thing that's the thing with habits karen is you just focus on one first yeah don't overwhelm yourself focus on one first yeah. because when you focus on one and you make progress it shows yourself what else would be possible yeah. You know, let's say you just focus on exercise first. As you exercise, you find yourself getting more energy. You find yourself wanting to eat better yeah. because you don't want to undo all the great work that you've done in the gym or yeah. running outside or cycling around town. 
and then suddenly it has a compound effect on other areas of your life mm. and so start with one just to show what is possible by committing to consistent action that's it mm. just one and the way that i i used to motivate myself is i would look at my calendar and i saw that just exercising for one hour a day and i'm just using one hour as a benchmark yeah that is less than five percent of your day yeah 4.2 to be exact yeah. Now, if you can't afford to move your body for an hour a day, I mean, what is that telling you? That's yeah. not even 5% of your day. But the impact it has, not just in terms of your longevity in life, but also your mindset, the way you show up, and the other areas of your life it will impact is phenomenal. So how important is mindset? Like you're talking about it, you know, you know and, and in talking about habits as well. And people can say, you know, they make the news resolutions and they say, right, I'm going to get fit. I'm going to start exercising. I'm going to, you know, do this and that. It, what do we need to shift in our mindset, you know, that that makes us show up every day? Because we we think we've got a good mindset for about 11 days and then we're like, yeah, I don't, I know. now I want to sleep in. Now I'm not going to do that. So what do we, you may not know the answer. I'm just curious. I just love to have these conversations. Is there something we should shift in our mindset or is there a way we can shift something in our mindset? To... Yeah, I think the, the two places that come to my mind listening to your question, Karen, first is identity and yeah. then second is awareness. Yeah. You, you know, the first place is identity. Now, if you don't see yourself as the person you want to be now, hmm. then guess what? You're not going to take any action. You're not going to implement the changes required. Yeah. And so you've got to see yourself as that person now in order to do what's required to get there. That's why in, in, in any personal growth journey, it is never about what you get, but it, it is about who you become in the process. Yeah. And that's why a question I often ask my clients is, who must you become? in order to have what you want. And that question is very much tied to identity. Yeah. Now, to give an example, if you walked into a supermarket and you operated from the identity of, I am an athlete, yeah. then I guarantee that when you push your trolley through the aisles, you're not going to be pushing that trolley into the pizza aisle. You're yeah. very likely going to be pushing into the fresh fruit, vegetable section. Yeah. And that's because your identity drives your actions your choices and your behavior yeah so often when we make new resolutions we're still operating from our current identity instead yeah. of our future identity whereas if i operate from my future identity then actually my resolutions would be much more specific would be clearer would be focused and more committed mm. many new resolutions the reason they don't fulfill their resolutions is because they're just a list of interests I'm yep. interested in getting fitter. I'm interested in starting a business. I'm interested in pursuing that opportunity. But actually, what we want to be focusing on is what am I committed to? Yeah. When you say I'm committed, your language changes. Instead of saying I should, I could, I might, it becomes yep. I must and I will. So identity, I think, is one of the first places to begin, followed by awareness. Yep. Now, what I mean by awareness is really understanding how our reality operates. Now, we like to think we all live in one reality, but that couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. We live in what I call customized reality. So if, if you and I were to experience an event, the same event, 
it is very unlikely we would go away with the same experience because yeah. we would interpret very different things. Yeah. And so from our interpretation of an event, that creates our reality. Yeah. Now, when we are aware of that process, we begin to understand that really where mindset plays the role is in our interpretation of our circumstances and the meaning that we bring to events in our life. Yeah. How we choose to respond to that is one of the greatest things under our control. Mm. And which nobody else can control. Just Indeed. us. Yeah. I like what you're talking about, about the uh, the identity. And, and one thing that I say to people too is that I say, if you want to be an author, start writing and then say you're an author. Now just, mm. you know, you, you can't say you're an author unless you start writing. But it, but once yeah. you start the process, you can say that. You, mm. you want to be an athlete, like you say, start running. And once you start mm. running, you say, I'm an athlete. Like, And you're not actually lying to yourself. You know, it, yeah. it's, it, becomes the, it becomes the truth, you know. So oh, I love it. Do you think that, how do you think people's energy shifted over COVID? Like, do you, do you think that people who would normally be energetic people and, you know, have bouncy energy kind of just took a dive and haven't recovered? That's what I've noticed. And I don't know whether yeah, that's I my reality. It, I, I think it depends on the person. Because if before COVID, the person was already living with intention, i.e. they already knew how each day, each week would be considered productive, I don't think COVID would have had a huge impact on their energy. However, if for many of us, many people around the world were working for someone, i.e. they're working in a company, I think they have been the ones that have probably suffered the most. Mm -hmm. Because you've got from a standardized routine, I wake up at a certain time, I take the public transport to work, I meet my colleagues, I have lunch, I come back, I spend time with my family. There were very clear boundaries between work and home. But when COVID happened, you had to do your work and your home life in one place, which was the Mm -hmm. same exact place. And so the person that would have to manage those boundaries is now you. Mm. When you don't have to commute into work or back and how do you decide when it's work mode and home mode, given the, the place serving both is exactly the same? Yeah. And so I think for a lot of us, getting used to working remotely was very tough. Mm. And, and that is what has probably drained many people around the world. Mm. And, there's, and there's no lines. I mean, you talk about the boundaries, but there's no lines between when I type something up and when I hang the washing out. It's like it's, it's this constant, constant blur. And, yeah, yeah, that's a good point because I I, I have noticed um, quite a lot of people who, you know, just seem to be quite sludgy now, you know, since COVID and just I don't think they were before. Do you know, they, you know, they, it's sort of like not everybody, but just as, there's a handful of people that I've really noticed and I've thought, wow, you're just a different person. You just never got it back. You just haven't got that back. So, yeah, but actually, yeah, they all work for somebody when I think about yeah. it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Also, I think yeah. another yeah. reason is because when you are in an office, you can very easily get energised through the physical presence of other people. Yeah. yeah. Now, when you suddenly retreat into your home, you don't have that physical presence of your colleagues. And it's a lot harder on your own, if you don't know how to, to generate that same energy. Whereas if you've had some troubles at home and then you go to the office, when you've got colleagues to talk about 
uh, talk about it with or spend time with. Nothing beats that physical presence of energy. It's why, for me, in the work I do, I love speaking to yeah. a room of people in person. Yeah. Over doing it on Zoom. Uh, yeah. Because you just don't get the same energetic exchange. Yeah, I I agree. Now you've just made me think of something because when you said you know you go to work and I love this you know my my brain's always going in rabbit rabbit hole. Anyway, you know when you um said about being going to work and being energized, that raises another question for me about what about introverts and extroverts because mm. extroverts are energized by being around people, introverts the opposite. So. How do you, when you talk about energy, do you, do you, does that the introvert extrovert thing come into it? Like, do you think about recharging and all that kind of stuff? Definitely, definitely, because it comes back to the fundamental question of what gives you energy yeah. and what drinks your energy. Yeah. And of course, that will be different for each of us. For one person, what gives them energy might be being around people. Yeah. For another person, what gives them energy might be spending time alone. Yeah. And, and so we have to bring awareness to ourselves first. You know, what is it that gives me energy? What is it that drains me of energy? And how can I, one, communicate that to other people or two, build my, my life and routine around that? Yeah. Now, there are also things we have to understand, such as the reason why being around other people is so good for us yeah. is because what we can read from somebody is yeah. vastly more insightful when you can see the whole person. Yeah. You know, if you're looking at somebody on Zoom and you can only see the top third of their body, yeah. that's not going to give you the same information as if you met them. And you can see their whole body. You can see their body language. You can see their expression. You can see their emotion. That is nonverbal. Yeah. And, and so I think there is a bit of a balance to get uh, between retreating away from the office and actually spending time uh, around people so you can see communication beyond words in the top third of your body. Yeah, and I think we need that connection anyway. Well, just just for the record, my bottom bottom two thirds, right? My my foot's pointing at you, you know, <laughs> because I'm engaged with you. <laughs> it's it. Um, I'm thinking about um, you know, do you think sleep's the only way to de- to 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 re-energize? Like. Like let's say with introverts like to go home and they like to be alone, you know, to to rebuild energy. Um, others like to go out and party and then they feel great. Mm. But if you're expending all this energy, you know, doing whatever you're doing, how, how do you, how do you recharge? Do you think sleep's the like sleep sleep diet and exercise, or do you, or do you think again sure. it's just an individual thing? Yeah. So I think uh, first of all, and it's an interesting question because firstly, when you do things that give you energy, you actually get more energy. It goes back to what you shared with me earlier, Karen. You said that when you're on stage, you get more energy because you're doing something you enjoy. And so that's why it's so important to focus on the things that bring us joy because that gives us even more energy. Now, on the other hand, we've also got to be mindful that we're only human and that we must make time and space in our diaries to re-energize, to reset, to rejuvenate. Now, sleep, Uh, movement and nutrition is merely the physical dimension of energy in order to re-energize ourselves from a mental and emotional and spiritual this is where having time alone is so important or disconnecting Mm -hmm. and that could be for activities such as meditation yoga uh, reading things that allow us to disconnect uh, and just calm the mind down because our mind isn't built to be on and busy 24 7 
Yeah. Actually, if you if you go back in history, some of the greatest insights and inventions and creative breakthroughs came not from somebody sitting at their desk with reams of paper or screens in front of them, but when they disconnected, whether it was Isaac Newton, Apple falling on his head and and gravity being discovered, or Archimedes sitting in that bathtub, Eureka, he had his insight about displacement theory, Mm -hmm. or Thomas Edison, who was fishing with no bait, so nobody, not even the fish, would disturb him. Even though these stories are anecdotes and may or may not be true, that there is some truth in them in the sense that they all share in common the fact that they were doing nothing when they had those insights. Because when we are able to disconnect from the busyness of the everyday, what happens is that we give our mind space and oxygen for those ideas to thrive. I I also heard, well, I 100% agree. I love my, just I love pondering. I love pondering. That's where all my good ideas come from. But I just was listening to a podcast a couple of days ago and this guy, he gave a stat, a statistic, and I can't Mm -hmm. actually remember it, but it was something quite massive about most people would rather, oh, no, it was a, a, um, a, 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 a test like an experiment a social a science experiment and they put all these um people in a room and, and said you you got a choice you can either electrocute yourself and not, not to kill yourself but give yourself electric zap or have um spend 15 minutes alone with your thoughts and mm-hmm. it, it was a huge percentage actually electric chose to electrocute themselves because they didn't want to be alone with their thoughts and you know, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking about what you're saying. I'm thinking about all these people who they they've always got to be around people, or they're ringing people. They've been in the office all day. They ring people all the way home. Then they get home and they talk, and then they then they put the TV on, you know, and they and then they get on their screens until they fall asleep. And there's there's just not a space in their world anywhere where they where they want to be quiet, do you, you know, and where they have downtime. So. I reckon that's damaging. Like I, I actually think I, yeah. I can't be judging people or telling other people what to do, but it's it's got to be it's got to be wearing you out. Like it's got to be so de-energizing to have that noise. Yeah, it's it massively damaging. And what you shared is an illustration that many of us are addicted to busyness. Yeah, we're addicted to being busy. We're busy, but we're not going anywhere. You yeah. know, we end up going in circles, not making the progress that we want. Yeah. And why slowing down and having quiet space is so important? It's because, first of all, the longest journey we make as humans are the inches from our heads to our hearts. Yeah. Now, if we're not willing to give ourselves space for that journey, we're never really going to understand who we truly are and what we want to do in this lifetime of ours. Yeah. The second is that actually silence is powerful. Silence yeah. is far from empty. In fact, it is full of the answers, the wisdom, and the insights that we seek if we are willing to listen to what it has to tell us. Yeah. And that's why more and more uh, you know, articles within the mainstream well-being space talks about meditation. There's a reason why meditation is championed so much uh, in today's society because meditation, as much as it is about calming and slowing the mind down, it's also about reconnecting us to our mm-hmm. true self. Yeah. And so when we spend time prioritizing these sort of activities, we're able to be more mindful and present in the moment and also 
to avoid the tragic scenario of living as if we're never going to die and then dying having never really lived. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if we're, we're busy, 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 and we don't want to look at ourselves, you know, that journey from the head to the heart, if we don't take that, and sometimes it's painful. Look, actually, for all of us, it can be painful, you know, to really sit there and look, I'm, I love the pain because every time I have the pain, I learn something new, you know, and feel, <laughs> feel even better. But it's um, so many people will avoid that, you know, just to just to avoid the pain. So I'll just keep busy and busy. And I I often think that that's a waste, a life wasted. You, you know, like you you if you if you if you felt the pain, felt who you are, then embraced it, you know, and lived it then magic happens, you know, then you live your life and then you, mm. then you give to others. Do you, it's, it, it's, 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 I think that's how we're supposed to live, but many, many don't. It's all, it, it's all a question of trade-offs. You, you know, change is hard. Yeah. Continuing to do something that you hate is also hard. Yeah. You have to choose your heart. Yeah. Which one are you going to choose? Mm. Oh, I like that. I like that. Now, um, now, if we're talking about busyness and productivity and all that kind of stuff, so so let's talk about energy versus productivity or efficiency. And and people will say, well, if I've got more energy, I, I can work for longer and I can get mm. more done. And do you think there's another another podcast I was listening to talks about? Well, when we do good things, um, we should only do it to a point like we should not you know you can go too far you can just con- have too much or do too much so I don't know if I'm making sense here but if we can is it possible that we can have so much energy that we do so much that we don't become we lose our productivity we lose our efficiency mm. I know that's a hard question isn't it <laughs> Yeah, I, I think this is where understanding how to manage your energy is essential because often when we think about productivity, we default to time management. Yeah. So if I want to be more productive, I have to manage my time better. Yeah. Now, yes, managing your time is important, but you've also got to consider your energy. So to give an example, if I look at my calendar and I blocked out two hours in the afternoon to do a very important task. Yeah. I'm assuming that my energy level is going to be constant throughout the entire day. Yeah. And at three o'clock, I'm going to do this task. Yeah. But the reality is for many of us, by three o'clock, our energy is dipping. Yeah. And so is it actually likely that we are going to put as much attention to that task at three o'clock in the afternoon as we would at the beginning of our day? Probably yeah. not. Yeah. So once we understand what our energetic rhythm is, some of us are morning people, some of us are evening people. Yeah. Now, once we understand our energetic rhythm, we can begin to build our day around that information. Yeah. So perhaps when our energy dips in the afternoon, we can go do an activity that will re-energize us. We can go for a walk in nature. We can catch up with a friend. We can do something that allows us to come back to our desk with a good level of energy. So this is what I mean when I when I talk about energy management. Yeah. How can we be aware of our energy throughout the day, build our routine around it so that when we do have those hours dedicated to a task, we can be present and show up fully in order to give it the best of what we have. Yeah. But to do that, we have to then um, get rid of that narrative that we have that 
if I stop work for two hours during the day, I'm being lazy, you know, and I'm not Indeed. being productive and or my I can't stop because my manager will think that, you know, I'm slacking off. And so we push through that dip do you, and and pretty well do nothing, do you, you know, other mm -hmm. than shuffle papers from one side of the desk to the other. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I remember going to to Italy and and I I, I don't know, I, I was travelling with a backpack and I bought all this shit. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. Where am I going to put it in the backpack? So then I then I um, had to buy a box and I thought, oh, I'm going to post, I'm going to send it home. So I bought this big box and put all this crap in it and I went to the post office and the, they said, no, that's, you know, you have to go to the wrapping shop. And I'm like, or whatever they said. And, and I'm like, what's a what's a wrapping shop? I have to go right up the top of the hill and um, the, the second house and this and that. And, and I, oh, my God, I'm lugging this gravy box. This is in, um, where was it, um, in Venice. And, and I'm like up these hills and I've got this big box. And I get to this shop and just to this, it was a tiny little doorway. As I pushed mm. through there, I got in there and put the put on the box and I said on the counter, do, do you wrap these for postage? And they said, come back in two hours. And I'm like, why? And they said, well, go, go. And they were shutting up. They just shut the bloody door, you know, and because and, they have their, that's normal, you know, I'm going to have two hours off, you know, a lot of the, a lot of that, the, the Spanish and, you know, they, they mm. do that stuff and they, they live such a different life, you know, and it's a good life because, and I've, I've read so much about it, that they have their siesta in the middle of the day and then they then they work a bit later, but then they go mm. out and they socialise and they eat with friends and, do, you know, and they're, they're just such a different lifestyle. And for us, we push through and push through and push through and then we come home at 5 o'clock cranky, do you, you know, and then and then get to eight o'clock and say, oh, I'm stuffed. Like, I think we've got it wrong. Do you, and But then how do you get your managers, how do you get your boss to say, well, I'm not, I'm not asking how, but most people won't go to their manager and say, look, I've got a dip. Between two and four, I've got a dip. Can I change my hours? And I I think we should get better at that. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a two-person effort between the employee and also the manager. Yeah, because the employee will have one understanding, but ultimately, the manager is the person that has to set the culture. Yeah, and so I think the first thing that has to change is a cultural shift, a cultural shift away from the hours you put in towards what you put into the hours. Yeah, that is far more important. You would rather have people work less, but actually put quality into those hours, than work longer, but actually procrastinate for most of those hours. Yeah. And so it's really understanding results matter more than the hours put in. I may only choose to work four hours today, but if I get a lot done in those four hours, I would still consider that a productive day. Yeah. So I think it's about understanding that productivity is not necessarily about the hours you put in. Yeah. And changing that narrative to actually, are we making progress? And are we understanding of what contributes to a productive day? Mm -hmm. If I've won a client, if I've furthered a project, if I've helped someone in my team, is that not productive for where we want to be? Yeah. And we must move away because otherwise what happens is that we work long hours, we mm -hmm. exhaust ourselves, and what happens is we burn out.
sooner yeah. or later will burn out. Whereas if you focus on quality steps, consistently apply it in regular doses, what happens is it is far more sustainable over the long term. Yeah, You're able to keep at it for a much longer duration than you would be if you went all in too fast. Yeah. I saw a um, a clip of a, a professor at a university in England, and they're doing it now, like they're doing this study mm-hmm. now about um, they've got all these organisations on board to test out, like some, some even fish and chip shops, you know, like all, all sorts of all sorts of different businesses, and they're testing out four day weeks, to, you know, and they're so what they're doing mm-hmm. is they're setting. Well, this is these are the expectations. These are the KPIs. This is what we need to meet. You know, this is how much money we need to make. How many customers you need to see each week, or whatever. And and they're all pretty much. There's a couple of anomalies, but they're pretty much all meeting their target still in the four hmm. days. And they're all feeling much more energized and all feeling much healthier. You know, because they're getting that that three-day way. I know it's a little different to what we're talking about, but it's still saying that, that you know, if you manage it right, you, you can work less time and still get just as much done and 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 feel much better about yourself and feel much better about your life and it, it, all the important things that, is, that are in it that you're missing out on if by working mm. longer hours. So Definitely. And, and this, uh, this, Karen, speaks to Parkinson's law in the sense that whatever time we give ourselves, we will adapt to accomplish it within that time. Yeah. So if you give somebody four days instead of five days to get something done, yeah. they will adapt to that time frame. Yeah. But often if you give somebody too long, what happens is we find something to fill up all that time. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I've often got asked, Simon, do, I, do you feel more productive now that you're a parent compared to before you were a parent. And I say, actually, I feel more productive now I am a parent. And the reason is because now I have a shorter window to get things done. I've got to be super efficient and I've got to focus on my priorities to a far more effective fashion than I would have done before I had children. Before I had children, I've got so much time to procrastinate. I've got so much time to put things off. But when you give yourself a tighter deadline, what happens is your mind adapts to it. You get it done. You don't focus on uh, being lost on social media or lost on scrolling the internet. You yeah. actually get focused on the task at hand. Yeah. And it's about picking that time to, I know that the, the being mm. a parent, you don't get much choice. And, you know, I've got, <laughs> I've got rescue cows and rescue donkeys to feed dogs <laughs> and cats and buddy kids. And, and it's, um, you just have to, you just, you kind of go, I'm just going to do this real quick and then I'm going to run out and feed the cows and I'm going to come <laughs> back and I'm going to do this. But I noticed that, that, that if I do a, it, where where possible, do a two to three hour block first thing in the morning, I get so much done. Do you, you know, it's just like head down, bum up, you know, phone off. I don't want to, and, and I just get so much done. And then I afford myself, I don't know, if, I don't know if this is going against your principles or not, but I'm like, well, now I'm just going to go and have a cuppa and I don't care how long I take and something to eat and I'm going to sit down, pat, play with the dogs and then come yeah. back and do another burst, you know, you know, and it's, um, it's, but if I if I dilly dally dilly dally dilly, you know, I I don't get anything done. It's- yeah, and I, and I think your your approach is great, Karen, because if you get your most important task done first yeah. in the morning, whatever else happens throughout your day, you can already smile that you've had a productive day. 
because you have got your most important task done. Even if you get nothing else done throughout your day, you have already had a productive day. <laughs> That's what I justify at night when I, <laughs> I say that. I say that. I say, oh well, doesn't matter. At least I did this, <laughs> you know. And, and I, <laughs> and I actually, actually believe it. Well, at least I did that one, you know. And that's done, and, and I'm happy about that. And sometimes it's like, what'd you do today? Um, hmm. well, I did. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you have a good day, I suppose that's all that matters. But um, now your book, why, why um, uh, were you talking about energy? Like were you speaking about energy on stage before you wrote your book and then, then came the book or did did the book, did you shift your what you were doing, your sleeping and eating and everything else and then write the book and then start talking about it? Sure. Well, going back to what you said in the uh, introduction earlier, Karen, uh, when we first started speaking, I cover lots of things, you know, yep. given my work as a coach, as a speaker, uh, yep. and as an advisor and mentor. Yep. I covered a lot of stuff related to energy before the book came about. But I remember having the conversation with my publisher, and they said, Simon, you, you cover lots of different things. Uh, what would be the one thing that you would want to write about in this first book of yours? Yeah. And the initial title that I put forward in the draft was Energy is Everything. Yeah. And of course, through the editing process, that got condensed to one word, which, as you know, on the book's cover yeah. is Energize. Yeah. And the reason I wanted to write about Energy is Everything, because through my journey, through my personal professional journey, I've noticed that when I've got the right energy around me, when I have the right energy in me, uh, what happens is that beautiful things start to happen around me. Opportunities yeah. pop up. I get invitations to uh, things I would never have imagined before. And it all has come down to getting the right energy in place. And so I really wanted to speak to that uh, yeah. when I was putting my draft proposal together. Well, I love it. I think it's fantastic. Um, I asked before about de-energizing. No, actually, there's something I want to say, and I nearly forgot. It's also it must be a good book because it's been endorsed with by Simon Sinek and Marie Folio, and oh, I can't think who's the other one, Dr. Marshall Goldsmith. So yeah. yeah, so it's it's obviously like, and it was a bestseller, wasn't it? Within straight away, yeah. So uh, it, yeah, it was just fantastic. I, I always said to myself that. Given it, it, it is my first book, uh, number one, getting a book there with Penguin. Number two, getting the endorsements from some of the names you've just shared. Yeah. It's an absolute dream. So yeah. whatever the book is, uh, I'm already beyond grateful. The yeah. fact it then became a bestseller. I got invitations to places like uh, cities in America, the Middle East, Europe. Uh, I'm flying to Romania next week, uh, yeah. doing talks in Canada about the book. Yeah. It's just been such a gift uh, to be able to share this with the world. Uh, a lot of things I would never have predicted before yeah. I, I clicked the submit button on my on, on my book proposal. <laughs> I love it. And you know what? It's funny you should say that because I was – some people want to write a book to be a bestseller and some people yeah. want to write a book to make money. And I think both of those things are the wrong reasons to write mm. a book. I mm. think that you, 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 you write a book to share – a message yeah. do you know mm -hmm. and to serve other people and i can just i can feel that through you 
this mm. I wish we were in person because it would be much much better <laughs> energy. But I can feel it through the screen. You know, is that you've just got this such great energy of service. Do you, you know? And it's kind of like I want to share this. I want to tell people about this. I want people to know about this. And and mm. then I would suggest that's why it's by the a bestseller do you know it just has your love all the way through it you know again karen it goes back to uh, what we were discussing earlier that people can feel the energy you put into your work yeah if, if you put the right energy into your work people will feel yeah. it and the reason i love the work i get to do uh is because my belief is that our value as humans is determined by how much more we have given to the world than we have taken from it and I think that the more we give to the world, the more valuable we are as a, as a human. Yep. Therefore, we have a far greater impact. Whatever yep. medium we choose, whether it's speaking, whether it's writing, uh, whatever medium we choose, we're going to have a far greater impact when we come from a place of service. Absolutely, we are. Absolutely. I, I want to ask you about um, identifying energy and being energized and de-energized, you know, like... Mm. Some people can say, oh, yeah, but that's just, I'm just tired, you know. And so when they're de energized, they might say, I'm just tired or I've just had a big day or something like that. And then they'll push through, like we said before, you know, they'll do things yeah. they hate and they, and then they've got all these stories about, but I'm just tired, you know, it's too many long hours and blah, blah, blah. But you, if you were energized, you could do all those same hours and everything else and not have the same word, narrative attached to it. Yeah. What's a good tip, I suppose, for people to recognise what energises them and what de-energises them so that they can start to focus more on what energises them? I, I know it's obvious, but I, I think some people haven't stopped to think about that. Sure. So I, I think the first place to begin is understanding yourself. Uh, you know, we all want to be wiser as humans but wisdom begins with knowing yourself so yeah. if somebody came to me and said simon i'm i'm feeling tired these days uh and i just wish i could get more energy back into my life one of the first things i would do is to get curious about what they've just told me because in order to truly make a lasting change we've got to understand at a deep level why we're experiencing what we're experiencing in this moment yeah. So if somebody said that to me, I would say to them, well, what in particular is making you tired? What is giving you that feeling of tiredness? Mm -hmm. And then that opens up a conversation. They might mm -hmm. say, well, I, I, I haven't slept well for the past for the past year or so. Or it could be I just don't find satisfaction from the work I'm doing. Or before I've even left my home every morning, um, I'm already feeling exhausted. Yeah. Now that gives me then a reference point to work with. I might then say something like, well, what does that tell you? Because again, I don't want to jump into an assumption of why they're experiencing their current circumstance. So by asking them the question of what does that tell you, mm. that forces the listener to go into a space of self-reflection. Yeah. So they might say, well, you know, I, I'm very frustrated right now because I've actually got other things I would love to do at some point in my life but I feel like the career I'm in at the moment is a dead end. Mm. Or they might say, uh, I, I've just felt directions for the last year. And I think that's really weighed on my mind. There's lots of decisions I've had to make and I haven't taken action on making a decision on them. And of course that has compounded. 
So now we're getting somewhere. Now we're really starting to understand what are the driving factors for that feeling, which is a macro feeling of tiredness. There's yeah. lots of micro things that contribute to that feeling of tiredness. But once we understand those points, we can then start to address them. Um, and actually, even knowing what the points are and taking a really tiny step forward in addressing it can actually start to energize you. Because in the process of taking control of yeah. your future, that empowers you. So that's where I would begin is really deepen that level of awareness of why you are experiencing a particular feeling. Get curious, get investigative, really understand where it's coming from and start changing things at the source rather than at the high level. Mm. Changing things at the source, though, might mean changing jobs. And, and you know, the, um, a lot of people are scared to do that. You know, that's uh well, I really want to live my dream, you know, if I if my dream job would be this or that, or I'd love to work for myself. But yeah, I know this one's killing me. It's it's a it's a funny thing, isn't it, that that we a lot of humans don't value themselves enough, do you, or or something. There's you know that that they don't feel they deserve, you know, to live a life that's um in a dream job or don't feel that the dream job's out there. And when I say dream job, I don't mean flying from, you know, flying around the world in a jet and, you know, being pampered or whatever, but, you know, because we're all going to work hard, but, well, you know what yeah. I mean. We, you, we, you think magic just doesn't drop in your lap because you think you want a dream yeah. job. But I think it, yeah. I think it's it's a, it's a, it's being scared. It's a fear. Do you know, if I leave this security maybe maybe it's even a fear of if I lead the security, maybe I'll find out that that dream job wasn't actually a dream job. I, I don't. And I think it's why, yeah, it, it is why uh, it is somewhat unfortunate that, you know, life is short and many of us wait so long to begin living it. Yeah. And it's not necessarily about if I leave this den there. Now, we always have to take some risk, but the level of risk will be very different in the choices we make. Yeah. So if I'm in a job I hate and I know that my dream lies outside of my job, the only option isn't to quit and jump jump into the unknown. That's one option. The other option is to, well, if I know I want to do something different in the future, how can I be smarter with the time that I do have right now, even yeah. though it may be it might be the weekends, it might be the holidays, it might be after work. Those are the only pockets of time I have. How can I be smarter with that time in order to explore what I could do? And, yeah. and so I think that's where it begins is how can you be smarter in using the time you do have right now to see if what you want to do is, is, is exactly what you want to do? Yeah. Otherwise, you don't know. Yeah. And, uh, and also reframing your relationship with your current job. So instead of seeing it as something you hate, see it as something that you are grateful for and that is giving you the time and the uh, and the resources to explore what you really want to do with the rest of your life. Yeah. So when you reframe it in that way, you will see your job not as a dead end, but as a stepping stone yeah. to the person you want to become. And then what will really get you towards taking action is appreciating how short life is. I, I read uh, a book recently called uh, 4,000 Weeks. Yeah, and yeah. the reason it's called 4,000 Weeks is that the average lifespan of a human is 4,000 weeks. Yeah. Now, if you're already in your 40s, then you're already 
past the halfway mark and you've got around 2000 weeks left. Yeah. Now, when you really appreciate just how short life is, yeah. then you can channel your energy into truly living. Yep. Yeah. That's a great book too, by the way. It's um, I've got a thousand <laughs> weeks left, so I better pull my finger out. And say, <laughs> no, I think I'm doing all right, but it, it does. I, I always say life's too short. Life's way too bloody short. You know, you. It, I always think too about Bronnie Ware's. You know, the the book yeah. about um the re- regrets, regrets of the dying. Mm-hmm. You know, and and. I wished I had have lived a life that was true to me and not not the expect expectations of others. And I think life is too short, and I think that it's too short to be sitting around um, procrastinating and you know succumbing to mm. fear. And I don't mean that we should not feel fear; we should, and because it keeps us safe. Yeah. But succumbing to it all the time, do you know? I think that we've got to. And, and that's why. That's why courage is so important. You know, we've spoken about fear, we've spoken about doubt, we've spoken about the word but. You know, fear, doubt, and but are the biggest killers of dreams. Yeah. But actually, if we are to overcome them and take meaningful steps forward to creating and manifesting life that we want, we've got to see courage. Yeah. Because courage does not mean there is no fear, doubt, or hesitation. Yeah. Courage means that you believe that you will be okay despite yeah. the fears, the doubts, and the hesitations you will have, you will be fine. Yeah. Now, if you can seek that courage in taking small steps forward, not only will you prove to yourself that you can overcome challenges, but you end up creating momentum. Yeah. You get that I am going places feeling. Yeah. And once you start to ignite that engine of a feeling, guess what? You want to do more. Yeah. You want to see what else there is out there that you can accomplish. Yeah. And nothing can replace that feeling because once you get that engine going, life suddenly becomes very magical. Yep. Esther Hicks talks about, uh, or Abraham Hicks, whichever one, talks about pushing <laughs> that, you know, the tram trolley down the hill, San Francisco mm-hmm. hill. It's really hard at first, but then all of a sudden it's going and you, 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 <laughs> you're down the bottom. And But, you know, I was about to ask you um, to finish off what, what do you, what's, where where do you, where would you tell people to start? You may have already said it just by saying you know take that courageous action, which is, you know that's my catchphrase to just take courageous action because you've got to do it. You know, just go. But what if, if to leave people with you know a, mm. one thing? What would be the one thing that you would say to people? Just go do that. Just do that one thing and start. Definitely. Well, I mean, I would probably leave with two things if I may, Karen. The first yeah. would be. If you could take one action now, the one thing I would suggest is to optimize your environment to one that makes it impossible not to succeed. So what I mean by that is think about the people you spend most time with. Think about what you watch on television. Think about what you listen to. Think about the people you follow on social media. Think about your physical space. Now, if you are optimizing your environment on a regular basis, success will become inevitable. because your environment is a reflection of where you want to be. So that's the first thing. The second is a question for you to reflect on that will hopefully inspire you to take action. And the question is this, how much longer will you avoid doing what you are capable of in order to continue with what you are comfortable doing? Wow, powerful. I wonder how many people have got the guts to look at that well, let's say the courage. Just do the courage. I think that's mm. because it's hard. It's hard to ask those questions. But 
I, I love that. I love that question. But I'll just be worried about the environment because you're saying what you watch on TV. So now I might have to stop watching Chesapeake Shores at night to wind down. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like that show. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing, Karen. I'm not saying don't watch it. Nah, uh, the, I know. <laughs> but the key is if you are watching at the majority of your time, uh, then it is not productive. Now, if you're watching healthy things that are good for your mindset and for where you want to be, even just 60% of the time and yep. 40% of the time you can watch whatever else you want to watch, yep. that is going to be powerful. The yep. key, and there's no such thing as a perfect human, the yep. key is that you want to make sure that the good habits are the things that you are doing the majority of the time. Yep. If that is the case, your progress will be guaranteed. Yep. Gee, you're you're more lenient than me. I tell people eighty percent. You need two good. You know, eighty percent. You're much more lenient. People much better. <laughs> oh, I like Simon much better. He lets me. Eat <laughs> I love it, Simon. I've absolutely loved this. It's it's you've you've given me some energy. Now it's bedtime, and I'm going to be awake all night talking. That's not a good thing. But, <laughs> but where can people find you? <laughs> sure. Well, thank you so much, Karen. Uh, people can find me on social media. I'm most uh, active on LinkedIn uh, and Instagram. So on LinkedIn, if you search Simon Alexander Ong and click the person, uh, you will find my profile there. And on Instagram, my handle is at Simon Alexander O. Fantastic. And your website? Website is simonalexanderong.com. Uh, when you go there, you will have the option to sign up to my mailing list uh, to purchase a copy of Energize uh, and also enroll in an audio version. Uh, it's a program I've launched recently, a 30-day course, which is delivered to your phone via WhatsApp on daily insights to upgrade your energy. Ooh, fantastic. Fantastic. All right, well, I'm going to put those in the show notes anyway so people can do it. Simon, thank you so, so, so very much for sharing your time. It's I know it's, it's late, it's 9 o'clock at night, and, you know, it's, it's nearly <laughs> bedtime, but um, I just so appreciate it because, I don't know, I think we, we need a lot more energy in the world and we definitely need a lot more positive energy in the world. And um, if we all chip in and increase it a little bit now, vibration, our frequency is much higher. We're gonna we're gonna start avoiding some of the wars that are going on and some of the you know the awful shit that's going on. So um, I think it's everyone wins if we can all just lift our energy a little bit more. So thank definitely, you. thank you so much again for having me, Karen. And very well said there. <laughs> thank you. Nice way to segue out to the end. Thank you so much, Simon. <laughs> okay, see you soon. Oh, guys, that was absolutely fantastic. And I'll tell you what, energy is something that I really reckon that we overlook and we we let ourselves get drained. We, you know, we don't ever stop to say, oh, gee, I, I should do something about improving my energy. I think we just let life sort of carry us along. And I reckon we should take our lives back and, and start to make change and start to build our energy because just imagine what we can achieve. What Simon was saying about, you know, just start with one thing. So start by just sleeping well or start by going for a walk every morning or start by just eating one better thing each day and just keep building that momentum. And I'd 
It works. I know it works. We think that some of these things are fluffy words. They're not. We cannot survive without good energy. So I reckon if you've been thinking about it and thinking that you're sort of lacking energy, let's just start lifting that up and starting to move. So I hope you've absolutely loved this. Simon is an amazing, amazing guy, and I really hope you enjoyed his wisdom. So thank you very much for joining me again, and I will see you next week. See ya. Thanks for joining me. As always, I hope this episode inspired you. If you know somebody who's taken courageous action to create something that's making a difference for other people, let me know about it. Go to my website, karenvaughan.com, tinker around there, have a bit of a look and send me a message. I can't wait to hear from you. And remember, you're worth it. Your unique talents and gifts need to be out in this world. And I'm so passionate about inspiring you to achieve that. So you've listened to this episode, just say yes, make the decision and put one foot in front of the other. See you next week.